0: In the business tonight, we've got Alex, we've got Beck, Uh, we're missing Stacey tonight, but let's get straight into it guys, as we, well, we review the most important position in the NFL, and that's our quarterback position, but, you know, not everything goes according to plan in the NFL, and there are a few quarterbacks who are under a little bit of pressure, Uh, Beck, the question I've got for you off the top is, which quarterback is most under pressure, who's on the hot seat?
1: Yeah, I think we've mentioned this guy a few times before and talked about this team, but Jameis Winston at the Saints. I know that he's, you know, it's his first year over there and they've just signed him to come over and be this great quarterback to replace Drew Brees in this offense, but he's just not living up to the standard. He's not playing well. He's not fitting in. He's, yeah, and these backups around him aren't any better either. So I think the Saints need to flush house either go shopping in free agents or take a risk in the draft and pick a quarterback. But I don't think Jameis Winston is going to be there next year.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's probably a safe option. It's a shame for Jameis obviously got a lot of talent, but you know, you get opportunities in the league. You've certainly got to take them. I uh, look for me, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh. Uh, look, it, it's hard to, it's hard to pile on. Obviously we know the situation with big Ben. He's obviously very much at the very, very, very end of his career, uh, and certainly struggling with arm strength and, and touch at the moment. Um, so for me, obviously this will be Big Ben's last year, and um, you know it's all going to be about you know who's going to who's going to replace him moving forward. And I think you know part of the. I guess part of the impatience with the fan base is that, you know, everything else appears to be in place. You know, they, they, do, have a, they do have a good football team. There, there's a couple of little pieces here or there that could certainly make them a better football team. But, you know, certainly you put in there a high-quality uh, quarterback and, and they're suddenly a contender in the AFC. So for me, obviously you can't bench Big Ben. We've spoken about that in previous episodes. You've got to let him, you know, finish out his career there in, in the Steelers jersey. But Pittsburgh, they're going nowhere fast at the moment under his leadership. Alex, what about yourself?
2: Yeah, for me, I think I've got to go to San Francisco with the 49ers and say Jimmy G. You know, I think he has an, yes, he has another three years on his contract, but I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him away um, just to get, you know, some other draft, either draft capital out of that, because, you know, they traded away. What was it? Three first round picks for Trey Lance to Miami. Like, so they're going to need something I guess moving forward in the future. So I, I could see them trading with Jimmy G, but I wouldn't be starting Trey Lance just yet. I, I'd bring someone in, maybe like Aaron Rodgers, you know, and have Trey Lance sit and be that backup. Um, just because he, I don't think he's got enough game time to start next season for him.
0: Yeah. And Tom Brady would absolutely hate that because that was his childhood team. So, and he was desperate to go to the 49ers and they, they, they stuck with Jimmy G. So if Aaron Rodgers came in as like a bridge quarterback, I think Tom Brady would, uh, he would melt down, but um, no, a lot, lot of options there. And Jimmy G, um, you know, he's going to find a play. So maybe at the Saints, maybe at Pittsburgh. You know, he's a he's good quality, uh, you know, he's a he's a, I guess he's a reasonable QB1. He's just got to stop turning the football over and a uh, bit of an inconsistent uh, player there. But, yep, going to be interesting to see and all the best, Big Ben, uh, in retirement. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, The Huddle.
2: Leave no regrets out there.
0: That is what a
1: real champion
0: is made of.
2: And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought
0: is over. How about those trees?
2: A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best
0: memories. Alex, this is a really interesting huddle this week as we talk about the LA Chargers. Now, if we take it if we take it back and we reflect on their history, you know, the San Diego Chargers, obviously they had some, you know, really impressive performances over the years, but you know, I wasn't too sure about their move to LA and I guess there there are still a few question marks, you know. When you step into that stadium, quite often, you know, it feels like they're they they're, they're they're on the road, I guess, you know, with, with all of the with all, all of the fans coming in from different areas. So, you know, it's certainly been a bit of a different experience for the Chargers moving to LA. And I guess in such a busy market, there is just so much sport in LA. There's another football team in the LA Rams that has been successful. So I guess my question is, you know, how do you how do you establish yourself in that market? Well, what about these jerseys? What about the powder blue, the yellow, the bolt? all of the social media and then you go and I guess you go out and you nail it in the draft and you sign a generational talent in this young quarterback. Um, you know, they've certainly done a few things right. They've got a young trendy coach, but um, yeah, they're starting to realize how difficult it is to be consistent week in, week out in the NFL.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think when we talk history with, um, you know, the Chargers, we, you can't talk history with Chargers and not mention Philip Rivers, right? That is a guy that was standout there with the Chargers that wore that jersey with a lot of pride and and was, you know, that the quarterback, you know, for for the Chargers for such a long time. And, and now it's kind of new era, young guy, Justin Herbert. I think that was a great draft for them. But you're right, like, you know, they just, it's that inconsistency. Um, and I do think that kind of, you know, Justin Herbert's a great pick for them. But when you look at this team on paper, you would expect them to be outstanding. Outstanding, right? You've got... Austin Eckler, who's a fabulous running back, consistent running back, is also used as far as kind of that flex position, where he can be a receiver and he can be a good running back, and he'll get those, get you those catches. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, right, as far as their wide receiver core goes. Like, that's a decent pairing right there. And then Justin Jackson, right, that's also another running back that's good for them. And then you got to talk about their, their – you, you flip over and go to their defense, and we talk – you know, you got one of the Bosa brothers, Right? You know, that's one of my high State boys right there. So the Chargers on paper, fabulous. In actual gameplay, inconsistent is the theme of the day.
0: Yeah, Beckett, it, it, it is interesting because, you know, you kind of feel like with the LA Chargers that they were a quarterback away. And there's a few franchises in the NFL that are in that situation. But, you know, Alex is right. You know, this isn't about bringing in new players or big short. I mean, you know, look at looking at their squad from top to bottom, the only – you know, glaring need I think they have is a tight end, you know, which you can, you know, most people draft tight ends in the third or fourth round. So that, that's that's something that I'm sure the LA Chargers are not stressing too much about. But, you know, I, I guess for me, you know, taking Justin Herbert aside for a second because he is a young quarterback, he's going to make mistakes. You know, a lot of people were sort of comparing him to Mahomes earlier on in the season, which was probably a little bit too much. But let's drill down on exactly what Alex is talking about and a little bit of accountability uh, in terms of some of these other stars on this team because, they really need to be stepping up. I mean, conceding, you know, the amount of points they did to Denver uh, in recent times, and a few of the other other franchises. Um, you know, let's start with the defensive side. You uh, know, a bit of a disappointing uh, form slump uh, they find themselves in at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's interesting what's happened to this team because I feel like they started the season on fire. Like we were calling them early Super Bowl picks. We were saying, you know, they were going to go all the way. They were going to be the team. And it was, you know, not just because of their offense. Like you said, it's stacked, but they have such a widespread talent on their defense. It's not just Joey Bosa, but it's Derwin James at the safety. You know, it's Kenneth Murray in linebacker. Like they have players all across this defense that should be showing up and should be dominating, but they're just... I don't know what, like, I, I don't know what's happening on their defense. It just, they look soft. Like they're not playing hard hitting football.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I guess, you know, that that's something that I've sort of been talking about in, in past episodes is there's a, there's a softness vibe in and around LA at the moment when it comes to defense with both the Reams and the Chargers, they come up against a real smash mouth football team and they do struggle. Alex, this is the challenge when it comes to being a young head coach, you know, Brandon Staley, he, has, he had all of the praise at the start of the season. Look, he's a fantastic talent. He's an absolute, you know, he's a great young coach, really good acquisition and a great fit fair in LA. But to Beck's point, you know, this is the challenging part when you've got star players that are not performing, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, you know, Brandon being able to to, to pull them aside one-on-one and have those tough conversations, you know, this is this is going to test him as, as, a, as a rookie coach.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. And I think for a coach that kind of, is probably one of the first coaches that the Chargers have had who's more defensive mindset, right? He was with the Bears um, on, on their defensive coaching staff. He was with Denver as their linebackers coach. He was with the uh, the Rams. Um, so, you know, he's been with some teams who have had some solid, you know, defenses since probably about 2017. So he clearly does stuff there, but I would expect his defense to be better. You know, I think, especially when you've got an offensive coordinator in Lombardi who's, who's you know, been with the likes of Drew Brees in New Orleans and has been, you know, a, a premier quarterback coach as well with some key players outside of Drew Brees, you would expect more out of their defense, right? Because if you've got an O.C. like Lombardi, you can probably let him go and kind of do his thing with the offense, which I think is clearly having its, you know, is it, it, working because Justin Herbert's great. I mean, he's he's inconsistent and, and he – you know, make some poor decisions, but he's still young, so you got to give him kind of some some rhythm to to move there. But I would expect this defense to be better based on the fact that Staley's just more defense Staley's more defensive mindset than probably you know out of as a head coach.
1: These players must be feeling it as well, right? To concede so many points to the Broncos, like who isn't, you know, a great offence. Like when they go and look at film, they must watch themselves and be, you know, thinking and analysing this film like, what am I doing? Why am I missing this? Like, what is happening? Like, they must be feeling it as a player, especially when you are someone with a name like Joey Bosa, who is known all across the league. Like, and you're not playing to your potential. You would see that. You'd have to have some sort of self-awareness of it and want to come out and want to do better.
0: Yeah, and they're going to have to, if they're going to salvage their season. uh, And, you 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 know, what a lot of coaches do is they'll just drop one or two players. You know, Bill Belichick and a few others will do that. They don't care your name, your profile. You know, if you're not playing well, they'll just drop you for a game and they'll kind of recycle a few guys in for a few snaps. Now, I'm not saying you go out and drop Joey Bosa, but maybe you know, another couple of players in and around that just to send a message. All right, guys, we, we've we've done our best to kind of look after and protect this young, talented quarterback, but he certainly has to take a little bit of responsibility in Justin Herbert. Alex, I, I guess I say that because, you know, this is just the experience of a young, inexperienced quarterback. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, and he has a a massive ceiling, all the talent in the world, but he is getting a lot of protection. You know, that left tackle, Rashawn Slater, who they've picked up in the draft, he is an absolute animal. He's something special. He's giving, uh, you know, Justin, I, I guess, some of the most time in the pocket, you know, I, I guess across the league. You compare that to some of the other rookie quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, a few others, um, you know, as much as we do want to protect Justin um, and make other players accountable, he did, he. Yeah, he's definitely got to take some responsibility here as well for this um this recent form slump.
2: I definitely agree. And I think, you know, we always talk about teams where the O-line doesn't give the quarterbacks enough time and they don't do well. And they, you know, they're always just encroaching on, on the pocket with the quarterback standing there. And I think, you know, we look at the other side with Justin Herbert where he has so much time in the pocket. And I think that's a detriment to him. I think as a young player, for the likes of, you know, Brady and Aaron Rodgers and you know players that have quarterbacks have been in the league for a long time who can make that pass who know what they're looking for as they're looking down the field right they know what kind of separation they're looking for they know what their receivers can and can't catch I think Justin Herbert's getting all this time in the pocket and it's not good for him because he's trying to look down the field he's trying to see that separation I just don't think he has the the knowledge there yet to pick apart, you know, those receivers who may get that split second off their corner corners and and be able to make that break. I just don't think that's a benefit to his play at all. I think he needs medium kind of shorter routes where he gets the ball off quickly. And you see that in games when he can fire that ball quick, like, and he sees those players running, he's good. But when he has time in the pocket and he wants to throw those long balls, they become 50, 50. And I don't think he's as accurate as he probably thinks he is too. Right. You kind of see him throw and you kind of go, Oh buddy, that's not go. Yep. That's, that didn't go where you thought it was going to go. Yeah. So if, if, if I was kind of the charges, I'd be like, release it quicker. You do not need to like cradle it up the field and then throw like, you just don't
0: throw the ball. He's definitely got to, he's definitely got to do a better job. And he's coming up against veteran uh, plays in the secondary. So they're outsmarting him as well. So whilst, Justin's getting more time in the pocket the secondary are getting more time as well to read the play um, you know uh, do a few tricks there in coverage as well so that's certainly playing games with him but you know look he, ha- he has had a great season you know he's he's you know averaging you know he's doing doing great work you know in terms of scoring 30 points most games but we're so hard on him because he cannot afford to turn the ball over because the defense is so poor now usually with a rookie quarterback if he's out there scoring 30 points you know, a couple of turnovers here or there—it's not the end of the world. So again, I think that comes back to where LA are in terms of an overall football team. They really need to pick things up. Um, Beck, going to go to you now for our predictions. Um, again, we again we say this most weeks, but good luck, my friend. Obviously, they started in great form. Uh, I think they won four from five, and obviously, things have been a little bit difficult in recent times. Seventeen game season, uh, still a long way to go until we finish off off the year. Uh, what's your What's your prediction here for the Chargers?
1: It's honestly so hard to pick now because, like, the teams are starting to level out. Like, teams who you wouldn't think would come up good against them are. But, you know, if we look at their future schedule, they have the Bengals, they have the Giants, they have the Chiefs, the Texans, the Broncos, and then the Raiders to finish off. Now, I think they potentially could win three out of those, you know, last six games, so I think they're going to finish about nine and eight. I think they're going to have a pretty, pretty average finish to this season.
0: Yeah, look, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to my records, but uh, yeah, I, I just I love the way that Justin plays, and obviously, if he can make, if you can cut down on those interceptions uh, and the defense, they can obviously turn things around. I, I think. Uh, that's a pretty light schedule ahead. So, look, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say 11-6. and six. That's a little bit optimistic. But, um, yeah, they're definitely special on offense. They have no excuses when it comes to personnel. They should be playing better, and hopefully they can find their early season form sooner rather than later. Alex, what about yourself?
2: Uh, yeah, for me, I'm going to split the difference and go 10-7 just because I think <laughs> – um, just because I think nine and eight is probably just like a little bit too harsh, they do have an easy schedule coming up. However, I don't know if that schedule is easy to make it out to be, especially with the teams that are coming up against fluctuating as much as they do in the Chiefs and the Broncos. Um, Raiders, so, and Bengals, like Raiders, and the Bengals, yeah. So I, I, I see them going 10 and seven.
0: All right, guys, let's jump through to our next segment the match, the most anticipated
2: match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Mm, let's
0: get ready to rumble! All right, guys. You talk about underappreciated positions on a football field, and you know, often we go to special teams and we give them a lot of attention. But this week, it's a bit of a special match because we're looking at the punting position, but it's got a bit of an Aussie flavour. Uh, Beck, obviously, at a high level, it really is exciting to see our players make it uh, in the NFL. You know, there's there's nothing like watching a fellow Australian, go over there and compete at the highest level. You know, when you think about the pathway systems in America from high school through to college into the NFL uh, and, you know, I I guess the percentages and the probability of an American-based player making it to the NFL – now, for an Aussie to go over there and play, it's outstanding, but we're doing it at an elite level. Now, let's talk through some of our punters tonight in the match. We're going to see Mitch Uh, uh He plays for the San Francisco 49ers, obviously, and then he's coming up against the mighty Michael uh, Dixon. Obviously, a, a big. you're a big fan of his uh, there in Seattle. Um, talk us through these two players. Yeah, let's start with Michael, obviously, there in Seattle. And um, yeah, great to see the Aussies succeeding overseas.
1: Yeah, it's always exciting to see an Aussie make it in a big sport in another country, especially, like you said, in, you know, a sport like the NFL where it's hard enough as an American to make it in the league. So as an Aussie, it's, you know, pretty special. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, punters are definitely underrated in our league. I think we forget how important special teams are, and we talked about this the other week when we talked about kickers and how important it is to have a good, consistent kicker. Having a good, consistent punter is just as important. You know, they set up the field position when you're turning over the ball. So, you know, to have a good, accurate kicker with a big leg can change change a defence. Like he can literally flip the field. And I think Michael Dixon does a great job at this. You know, he's got a record-long kick of 69 yards, which is, you know, 70% of the field.
0: Alex, there are certain franchises in the competition. We won't, <clears throat> we won't pick out names. Seattle, uh, who you know, if you have a, if you have a decent punter, it can really change the. Uh, it can just, it can change the way in which you call the game because, you know, when you think about it, you always see head coaches. You know, when it gets a fourth down and you know it, it, it's a little bit too long, they throw the headset. Okay, punter, get out there. But you know, if you've got someone as special as Michael Dixon who can put the ball on a dime. It really does change things because, you know, if you can back up an offense, um, you know, on their goal line and and send the defense out there and give them an opportunity to to stop a play, you can completely flip the momentum of a game. Talk us through, um, you know, Michael's performances um, so far in his career, a little bit around his background as well, because he certainly hit the NFL by storm, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, I think this guy, you know, I always poke fun at kind of the kickers because you can tell when they're Aussies, Aussie kickers because just the way they scoop and if it's like a, you know, botch snap, how they kick the ball, it's either like a box kick or it's, you know, very very AFL-like. So I always kind of just poke fun just a little bit. I go, oh, there's an Aussie kicker right there. You can see it in the way he's kicking the ball. So it's just like distinct difference. But I think just kind of growing up, kind of playing the likes of, you know, AFL and rugby where we – You know, they are taught to kick a lot more and it's a very different kind of game, especially when it comes to punting, right? Like field goal kicking is very different to punting. You need to have that leg strength to be able to get it down. You know, as far as his stats go, and in 2020, he led the NFL with 32 punts that down inside the 20 and led the NFC with a single season franchise record of 49.6, you know, average on his kick. So he's consistently good for Seattle when they want to get down in that 20 and, and make sure they're they're backing that offensive offense up um, so their defense come under their job and they're not getting much field field. You know, he does his job there. He tied Jeff Eagles and John Ryan for franchise record for most punts landing inside the 20 in a single season with 34 in 2019. So this guy's and he's also been selected to an all pro uh, first team as a rookie after finishing second in the NFL with a club record of 48.2 yards average. So like he's he's getting the stats and he's putting them up there, but he's also getting accolades to show.
1: Yeah. And I feel like we talk about the distance of how far these punters are kicking the ball, but I think we forget to mention how high these balls go, right? Because they have people catching the ball at the other end. So, you know, they kind of want to make it even more difficult for that receiver to catch the ball and return it. So, you know, they're kicking these balls up high, they're coming down spinning, like there's a special, you know, special talent in kicking a football in the NFL.
0: And there's also, like, a big part of morale in this as well. Like, you just think about it. So the offense has just um, gone out there. They've had an awful drive, three and out. They've probably done that consecutively. You're on a bad football team. You know, everyone's kicking stones. The defense is trotting out there again. They're tired. You know, that punter, that, that's kind of that circuit breaker, whereas if they go out there and they can make a good play, you can kind of give that defense a little bit of boost when they're tired coming into the back end of halves. So they are really, really important and the great teams, they're the ones that perfect these, you know, this component of the game. You know, when it comes to when it comes to you know punting and and, and all of the small elements, um, you know, it's it's just so important, and you know, it definitely separates teams.
2: Yeah, it definitely does, and I think it's always fun watching the punts too, especially when. know they go over the the player trying to receive it and you're all kind of watching going is he going to jump in the end zone where is he going to fall like and it's just kind of like everyone's kind of sitting there watching and going where's the ball going to land and you know when you see those kicks or those punts that land just in front of the end zone or the guys are jumping into the end zone to make sure the ball stays out like for me that's such like a fun aspect of the game that we probably just kind of ignore sometimes but i really enjoy it when when you're kind of watching those punts you go oh where's he going to land the, where is it going to go the um yeah
0: the, the the gymnastics that the special teams play and the fact that they they actually train for that as well i think that would be quite funny to see you know that the physicality the you know just just that bravado out there in in a, in a tough scrimmage in a tough training session and then you see the the special team is out there um practicing doing their uh, their, their dramatic catches and, and flicking it back in uh, out of the end zone it's um, no it's definitely a special group and uh, he's definitely a special pl- uh, player Michael Dixon and um, yeah certainly gets gets a lot of attention over there let's flip it over now to the 49ers and let's talk a little bit about Mitch 29 years of age six foot 200 kilos um, you know obviously came from Perth and again he's another player who went over um, college in Utah uh, he was a fourth round pick in 2019. Alex let's start there. That's a little high, you know. When you think about when you think about how valuable these draft picks are, I mean, we're starting to see fifth round, sixth round picks that are starting to make an impact on active rosters. Fourth round pick for a punter just goes to show this guy has a little bit of talent.
2: Yeah, uh, and I think you're starting to see that a little bit more now, especially you know when you're looking at kind of international players that come in through that international pathway, whether it's through college or or whatnot. I think they definitely see, you know the standard that probably the Australians are putting as far as sending punters to the NFL. So getting drafted high like that in the fourth round um, is definitely a testament to the programs that they're running and trying to get those kickers into the NFL, because it definitely makes a difference. I mean, fun fact about this guy is he left school at 17 to take an apprenticeship as a glass installation specialist. Like, you know, when you kind of are looking at players, you just don't, you know, at the end of the day, it's, Like if you just need some glass, like if the 49ers need some glass installed, they know they can just call on the punter. Like it's, you know, I mean, that's just a fun fact to have in your repertoire, I think.
1: I know. It's quite interesting when you do look at this guy because it's only his third year in the league. So he hasn't been around for long, but he's 29 years old already. Like he's not a young guy coming into this league. So he's obviously been around and done a few things before he decided that this is the career path he's going to take.
2: And he definitely had a good time. I and mean, he went to Utah as far as colleges go. He accumulated 62 punts and traveled 50 more yards during his career. That's the second most in school's history. So clearly he made an impact as a kicker while I was in Utah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, I guess, being drafted for, in the fourth round as well and being able to uh, punt the way he does. I mean, he gets – so far he's had 17 punts that have landed in, within the 20 yards and is, is averaging 46.5. So he, he he's doing his job as far as 49ers concerned.
0: It's also good business as well. You know, when you think about some of the earning potential here in the Australian market when it comes to our local sports, and don't get me wrong, I'd certainly take a million-dollar contract any day when it comes to our local sports, but the money that these guys are on, even a special team, is it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's a different stratosphere. And, um, yeah, great to see the Aussies over there competing and, um, yeah, doing a great job because, again, that special teams can be the difference between winning and losing, playing in the playoffs, winning a Super Bowl, and, uh, yeah, hopefully one of our Aussies can be the difference one day. I know that Beck certainly feels that way when it becomes, when it comes to Michael Dixon. Uh, all right, guys, uh, no sitting on the fence. Let's pick our preferred punter here. Alex, starting with you.
2: Um, I think for me, just based on kind of his accolades, his stats, um, and definitely when he fumbles the ball, I think it was, what, maybe week four or five where he had that scooping kick, which I still remain wasn't a fair kick, but Beck will argue me that it was. But for me, I gotta go with Michael
0: Dixon on this one. Yeah, look I, I have to agree. He's uh, he's doing some special things, he's got a lot of consistency and again at twenty five years of age, um, you know, he's uh, he's gonna be around for a long time. That's the thing. If you can snag someone on special teams at special, you can hold on to them for well over a decade. So I think Michael Dixon's gonna be in a Seattle jersey for for a long uh, for a long time to come. Uh, Beck, I'm sensing we got a little bit of a clean sweep here with a, with another Seahawks player, uh, you know, appearing in the match, but, uh, yeah. Tell us why, why are you picking Michael?
2: I
1: mean, like you said, he's only 25 years of age. He's been around, you know, it's his fourth year in the league. So he's still got so much time, especially in this kicking position, you know, you kind of don't really age out until you lose that leg strength. And I don't think his leg strength is going anywhere anytime soon um and he's just his athletic ability like it's not even just the kicking it's the fact that he can you know chase up a block punt scoop it up like it's a little baby and then re-kick it another six or six yard yards down the field for a second time under all the pressure that's happening like he's just he's 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 a special talent and like you said I think he's gonna I hope he's gonna be wearing a Seahawks jersey for a long time to come
0: all right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. It's your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the
1: air again soon. This
2: we'll okay, show. We're scared,
1: oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what
0: you Yeah, and this week on the... <clears throat> start that again. And this week in Rapid Fire, we're going to revisit our Super Bowl picks. Alex, that's, what prob- that's what's probably, you know, one of the best things about being in sports media is that we can sort of swap and change in and around our Super Bowl picks. But uh, I guess we, we do poke fun at ourselves because, you know, th- this has been a really up-and-down, up-and-down season. And and in reality, every single contender for the Super Bowl this season has kind of fallen flat on their face either one week, two weeks, sometimes even for a month. It's, uh, it's definitely been an interesting season. But let's check in uh, with you in terms of what your Super Bowl picks look like at the moment. But, um, again, it, it, it's an open race at the moment.
2: Definitely. And I think this is what makes kind of sport fun and finals fun and Super Bowls fun is because there's nothing fun about watching teams that like, okay, it was like, all right, you know, you're going to win the Super Bowl. It's like New England for a little bit. It was like, it just wasn't fun watching New England play because you knew they were going to go to the Super Bowl and they're going to win. So like, it, it just like, that gets like boring after a while. But when you have seasons like this, where you don't know, right, coming into it, everyone was like, Buccaneers, they're going to go back to back. And now you kind of sitting there going, I don't know and everyone's like oh Chiefs Buccaneers repeat and you're going I don't know like there's just so many contenders surprise contenders as well that for me I think you know my probably too early to pick but I still think would be an awesome Super Bowl would be Bills Cardinals I just think both those teams are good I think they're both their offense and their defense is working for them I need to I think they've taken some surprising losses And I think that kind of humbles you as a team. I think when you lose in a surprising manner to a team that you shouldn't have, um, and that just kind of makes you want to get better and be better. So for me, I am calling Bills Cardinals.
0: Yeah. I love that. Look, in terms of my picks uh, you know, I've I've sort of been following a similar path uh, with the Buffalo Bills um, and the Green Bay Packers. So in terms of the Bills uh, that they do concern me a lot uh, that the, I guess, you know, one of the things we've highlighted throughout the season, they cannot run the football. Uh, and, and that's a fundamental flaw with their football team. It puts way too much pressure on Josh Allen, uh, you know, both in terms of his running as well as his ability to uh, pass the football. So, um, you know, that, that's that's all they need to do. They need to find a way to run the football and they'll become a contender again. So I've got a little bit of question mark on my previous pick there with the Bills. Uh, and then in terms of Green Bay Packers, look, they certainly look likely but not because of what we think, not because of Aaron Rodgers, not because of the offense, but this defense is special. They're special from front to back. Uh, they're delivering week in, week out. And, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers personally he's not a, not a favorite of mine at the moment after the season that he's had, but he's certainly looking likely. Now, that's, that's kind of what my head is thinking, but what my heart is telling me, guys, what my heart is telling me is a New England Patriots Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl. Can we feel that energy? I mean... If Tom Brady can magically drag uh, this Tampa Bay team kicking and screaming, and it looks very unlikely, uh, there's a few holes in and around that football team. But yeah, if they could get to the Super Bowl, um, you know, I think New England could could do their very best to to claw their way there. Certainly um, with Buffalo being a little bit vulnerable at the moment. So, I'll oh, look, I'm all aboard the Mac Jones trade, although a Mac Jones, Tom Brady Super Bowl. That would really test me to my core in terms of my loyalty. So hopefully that's a problem that I'll have to uh, sort out come Super Bowl day. Uh, Beck. what about yourself? Again, this is very difficult to pick, but where are you at when it comes to the Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, I knew I knew you were going to have something to say about Pat's making the Super Bowl again after Barker said no one wants to see that. I was like, Dan would a hundred percent want to see that. Dan will see that every year, like probably one of the only with Dan and Stacey, the only two people who will happily watch the Pats play every single year in the Super Bowl. But for me, um, I'm I'm calling it a team that we probably didn't necessarily have on our radar at the start of the season but I think have quickly jumped onto it. And that's the Ravens. I feel like, you know, their offense, even though they struggle with injuries and all that kind of stuff, they're still maintaining a quite a high level of play in that offense. And this defense is keeping them in the game as well. Like they're pretty well balanced on both sides of the ball. So I think they have potential, you know, and they're winning these clutch games in, you know, overtime and last minute, you know, field goals and having, you know, just these really struggle wins that they're coming out on top of. So I think when it comes to playoff kind of type games, that's the games that you want to be winning. Those are the type of games that you want to have experience in. So you can take them to the playoffs and be experienced in that last minute kind of clinch win. And I think they're going to come up, like I said, against the Packers. I'm on, you know, that Packers train again, not liking Rogers off the field, but I think he's, you know, he's playing quite well on the field. His stats are showing that he is you know, having a great season with this offense as well as his receivers and this running back as well. Like this offense is quite, quite well balanced. And like you said, again, this defense of the Packers is just outstanding at the moment. And they're balanced on both sides of the ball as well as I think the Ravens are. So I think these two teams coming up against each other in the Super Bowl will be one to watch.
0: All right, guys, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel. Uh, Always bring the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, I just want to thank you for following Mojo Sports, following the NFL show. We really do appreciate your support. Continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports.